Hi everyone, my name is Melanie and this is Chris. We're at the Gold Coast Law Society conference. Yes, we're a bit on site. We are yeah. on site. This is a, a special particular podcast. Um, we've both been uh, listening very carefully to a number of we presentations have. today. We a lot have. Of interesting lawyers. Uh, there yeah. was some, uh, it was in fact a PLT student even gave a presentation, which we spoke really? for about an hour, which is very commendable because I can tell you that I wouldn't be able to do that. It's horrifying. Um, and so fair too, he's a full of, room full of, you know, very senior lawyers and everything and he is able to speak for them. So congratulations to that, that gentleman. But That's um, brilliant. I know that uh, our president, um, the Queensland mm. Society president, spoke a little bit um, this morning yes. and she had some pretty interesting things to say. She did. So we're at this conference and we're sitting here watching a lot of different things and very, very beginning we had the uh, president of the Law Society and she said these really interesting kind of, yeah, these rather interesting um, statistics. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. There's, so she was more about public trust in lawyers mm. and apparently when people don't know their lawyer or don't, don't know lawyers mm. and haven't used a lawyer, the public trust is negative 2 to 11 and this is out of a score of ba 80? Yeah, of 80. So basically less people trust us than trust us. That's right. So there's a, neg there's yeah. a negative number there. Yeah. Yeah, that's mad. That's crazy. We're, you know, we're not statisticians. But, and sorry, it went from negative, to, sorry, I'd said this wrong. It went from negative two to during COVID time mm. to 11. Yeah. So during COVID, apparently people trust us more. Yeah, um, and but we, we saw there's another stat there. I'm just going to shut that door yeah. so it's a little bit, sorry guys, just a sec. You'll have to forgive us, this is a running progress type of one. It's a bit different for us. We are on site, we're actually out the front of the kind of meeting room, so you, you might see some people, <laughs> yeah, people walking around. You might see us kind yeah, of darting our eyes a little we're, bit. We're literally loud. You can probably hear a lot of background noise, so hopefully you can hear us yeah. nice and clearly. I'm sure our editing people are going to oh love this. They're going to go, yeah. how are we going to scrub out the background noise? Oh, it's going to be hard. But yeah, so, so negative 2 to 11, which is not great, but then apparently That's an when... Improvement. That's a big improvement. A big improvement? I'm not sure it's a big... Certainly it's, it's improvement. improvement. Well, it's more than negatives, numbers. So so those of you out there who, who watch this because you don't know what lawyers do, it's uh, apparently a lot of you actually don't don't trust us. Yeah, it, it's it, about trust. It's absolutely about trust. And we talked about this, about our duties and, you know... Mm. Well, but we can see from... I think there's another stat there that says... Yes. Um, it, it went from... Of the so, people that didn't know us, is that... No, it, it's when you use a lawyer, or you, or you know, when you when you have a lawyer, the trust goes from negative, it used to be negative two and then it was 36, mm. so that's a huge jump. Mm, massive. And now it's 50, so where it's 11 now, it's now 50, where yeah. it used to be negative two, it used to be 36. And these are points, I don't know how they get these points. These are all stats, but yeah. the, the point of it is, is firstly, COVID made people trust lawyers. People yeah, COVID also, made a difference. When people actually use us and actually speak to a lawyer, that's right. They're, 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 their trust goes up. That's right. Um, this, which, which is actually nice because there's every chance it could go down. This, this actually reminds me of um, this, this research, research I did years ago on mm. sentencing. Mm. So, the average, you ask an individual out in the street, you know, for instance, let's take that guy, that drunk driver who mowed down, horribly mowed down all those kids and somebody lost all, all members of his family in yeah, one go. Yeah. yeah, 
horrific. People were calling for blood. That's right, horrific. And it was like, nah, put them away forever, you know, that's it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And so when you ask the individual what the sentence should be for that person, and I don't know if he's been sentenced yet, so I'm going to set yeah. aside the law around that. Mm. People would go, nah, life imprisonment, it's too good, let's, let's hang them, or, yeah. you know. Life for a life, all this, all this sort of stuff. And, and if you ask people, they would certainly, like you said, out for blood. Mm. But when sentencing is all about the peripherals as well, like yep. you talk about, you know, what's going on in that person's life, how they've had their life bring up, and whether you you think that's right or wrong, that's how sentencing is. And my research on this came out something really interesting that when you when you spoke to an individual and said, what do you reckon? They'll go, oh, life imprisonment. But you sit down and teach them facts, mm. their view softens considerably mm. to, oh, yeah, I can see the judge made, um, you know, a reasonable decision in that. Yeah, it was, it was fair in circumstances. So I, I wonder if it's the same about lawyers. People actually don't know what we do or how we do it. It's true. And yeah. why we do it. Because if they're only ever seeing the things that they perceive from... I suppose both the media, television, things like mm. that. Um, unfortunately, the, the actions of the very small minority, the less, let's say, moral and ethical lawyers that they see either on TV or yes, even overseas, news. unfortunately, we also... Or TV. I mean, Suits didn't give us a really good example, No, <laughs> no, no. So they see that and they just assume that's true. Yeah. They assume that that's an accurate representation of who we are as a profession. So, you know, what I'm interested in is, you know, people out there who are watching this podcast, and they're not necessarily lawyers, I, I'm assuming that there are people who are not lawyers watching this podcast. I'm just wondering, as you're watching this podcast and as you're meeting us, because mm. we are both lawyers, and I've been a lawyer for a fairly long time, and you've been a lawyer for a reasonable mm. time, has your attitude towards lawyers changed since you've been watching us learning more about who we are? I'm just wondering. I mean, obviously write into us because it would be really interesting to kind of know, but um, I actually sort of suspect that that's the same with everything, is people just have an inherent kind of distrust for... Does it flip around though? Because apparently firefighters have got an 80 trust rating. If you well, meet one, do you trust them less? Probably, actually. Probably. Because, <laughs> look, I can't imagine they're all... Any of you firefighters out there, let us know whether you uh, are trusted less than you... Well, when, when your house is burning down, I mean, can you... What else can they possibly do <laughs> besides put the fire out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's their job, right? I, I just... I'm interested. Like, do... Because who are the... What are the professions that trust less morning... <laughs> Um, less or more. So what are we talking about? We're talking about car salesmen, yep. real estate agents, yep. lawyers. Yep. Who else is on the list? Ooh, they'd be, I mean, they're the, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we're, uh, we're, the bottom, that's it. we're on the bottom there's, there's tier. Not, there's, there's not many that... Uh, um, yeah, sorry, we were a little bit distracted. Sorry about that. No, there's a little bit of noise going around. But, yeah, I just don't know, and, and I'm also interested if you meet a highly trusted, like you meet your doctor. Yeah, the poor gentleman, um, he, he saw us. And uh, I think, he, I think he shamed him into leaving. Sorry, yeah, right. whoever that was. Um, yeah, like they say, doctors got a high high rating too. Do you meet your doctor and trust them less? I walked out of doctor's surgery thinking I don't like this person. Okay? It's true. I mean, they probably 
they probably have the opposite effect. I wonder is if we have a situation where people don't really trust us from the outset, but they get to know us and they mm. trust us a bit more. I suspect that they've got the opposite. Yeah. That they start on a really high keel, and when you know their billing is a little bit suspect, or that someone charges them a little bit more than you'd expect. Oh yeah. Okay. Suddenly the trust is gone, yeah. or a little bit diminished, but. I mean, it'd be really interesting if, if people write in and say that, you know, this type of interaction that we're having here really helps. Yeah, I'd be interested. I'd be interested then to know whether more lawyers should be doing more things like what we're doing. Well, is, lawyers is, in general, it's terrible. Like, should you get to know us? Like, I mean, we're all human beings. Well, we don't have lives outside of being lawyers. Yeah. To, to be fair, though, we are a type of person most of the time. Mm. Are we more serious or less serious than the average person? I mean, are we, if we, if we put ourselves up against, for instance, I have a dog, as everyone knows, and I've got dog walkers, what about the average dog walker? Do they, you put me against them, we sit there and we chat, or, I don't know, but are we the same? Maybe. I think we are, I actually really, I legitimately think, look, lawyers are, a, not a different breed, but there's a certain type of person that is a lawyer, but outside of their lawyers, I mean, I've always maintained lawyers would be great actors because we're able to put on multiple masks. That's it. My, uh, the alliance you have with your client might not be the same, you know, what you're advocating for this client is not the same as the advocation, advocation for the next client. Yeah. So, so I guess in many ways, you know, we're all, we've talked about acting in the best interest of our clients. Um, in previous podcasts and we've talked about what that might look like but we haven't talked about how that differs during the day for each client to each client to each client. That's exactly right. Because we have employers and employee clients mm. and we have quite a different environment for our employer, you know, the, the way we interact with our employer mm. clients is quite different to our employee clients. I mean that's exactly right and I suppose as lawyers and we speak quite casually between each other, um, similar to what we're sort of doing right now. Um, we get a kind of interesting ability where um, I know I've certainly seen some you um, advocate in, in mediations and in, and in court as well, and you've done the same for me. It's actually very interesting because you, you you see it's a completely different person. Um, in fact, um, I often am self-conscious of the fact that when I am putting the lawyer mask on and either in a mediation or in court, my voice is completely different. Right, you at, have, at least, yeah, at you least slow in it my down, mind, you don't the way contract, I speak yeah, is completely different. It is, it is very true. And, it, I mean, I think okay. it's just really but interesting. But is, is that what erodes the trust? Because we, we are different in different environments? Maybe that's one problem. One day we're against you and we're for you. Yeah. And no one really knows our opinion on anything. We, yeah, is we don't, we're not trusting because we're not forming an opinion of our own. Because we know it's not I don't know. If anybody out there has an, has has a view on on trust in lawyers and where that might come from and how that works, it's very difficult for you and I, isn't it? Because we're in the inside. So looking from the outside, what is it like for people who don't know lawyers? What do people think about it? Yeah, well, yeah. certainly, please be nice, but you know, <laughs> write in and let us know um, whether you thought one thing about lawyers at one point and then you got your own and then you did you did your view change like like the, these figures mm. or was it always? A, I, I don't know. So, what have you found? Because you've been here all day. What's, what what have you been found. talking to? What have you been up to? 
I think one of the the interesting things about today has been just actually how much I miss this. <laughs> yes. I mean, before we, <laughs> and certainly there'll be some lawyers watching today who will absolutely attest to this. I remember coming to these conferences pre-global event. Mm. Again, not using, using the words. The name that you aren't supposed to say. Yeah. Um, pre pre that time, pre March last year, and it was a drag. It was yeah genuinely a drag. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you used to dread because you know you just you actually don't want to just be doing this sort of stuff. You don't want to be listening to speeches and presentations and things like that. Um, and, and it just. You took it for granted. Like, yeah. You really did. And, um, you know, I'm certainly really happy to be here. And, and they've, um, it should be said, they have done a very good job here. And uh, I think some thanks should probably go to the committee. They oh have my done goodness. an excellent job here. So, for those who don't know, we're at the Gold Coast Casino. Yes, Is it called? The Star. Star, Star. Casino. Um, yes, the Star. Yes, so it's even on that piece. <laughs> it's on the piece of paper I'm using here. Um, the Star Gold Coast in Broad Beach in, in Queensland. So it's a, quite a, a cool place to be, I think. It's one of these places that is a destination. Yeah. And they have done a brilliant job yeah. with, with setting it up. I mean, the food hasn't been too heavy, it hasn't been too sugary or, or you know, it's, mm. it's, it's not too hard to eat. Like, sometimes when you go to these places, oh my God, you eat something, you're like, oh. Uh. <laughs> I, for one, uh, decided <laughs> the risky tactic of Where going to an all-day networking event uh, wearing white, but <laughs> you managed to survive the day. Well, I can see. Well, yeah, it's still early. Is it, there's, still, there's still the evening drinks. There's still the evening drinks, <laughs> and uh, as I've recently found out, my friends do uh, listen to this podcast. And um, good day, Chris's friends. Yes, so they will know my difficulties with trying to keep a white shirt. <laughs> Um, they've seen me eat a luxa before. I, I think when we were, because we had to drive here around six o'clock this morning, and I, we were, we gave you a coffee, didn't you? Didn't we? And you were yes, drinking and I, in the and car. I sort of, those who drink out of keep cups uh, would understand this particular battle, uh, which is trying to kind of sip like this. Drink without spilling. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, okay. It was like a bit of a dangerous car expedition. Oh. Just as well, there's not too many potholes between Brisbane and the Gold yeah, Coast. It's true. It's true. We might have done that. But I, I think you're right. I've had a brilliant day too, and I've had a brilliant day, I think, because I've been out. I've been meeting other people. I just, you know, yes, my husband and I go to dinner every now and again, but I haven't gone to the cinema for since March last year. I, we just don't do this. And we actually understand that we're, we're in a world where COVID is still a thing. We're in a world where the event is still happening. Um, and I'm certainly mindful of that. And here in the Gold Coast especially, or in Brisbane, we are very lucky to be able to have these events without wearing face masks, without, without actually truly worrying that there is the lurgy yeah. hanging around. But I think as well it comes... A lot of people probably don't realise this, but I mean, lawyers really, we are a really collegiate yes, we are. industry. Um, although you know, it might look like when, when we act for, for a client that we are completely at war with the other side. Um, really, we are all in the same industry um, and we do really respect those around us and our colleagues. And I think events like this really help maintain that. Yes. And I suppose their absence yeah. almost cements a kind of bit of a little key. 
Yeah. You sort of forget that there are people on the other side. Well, this this is interesting, isn't it? Because one of the things that was said by we had a, uh, a a talker this morning, and one of the things he said is, "There's no benefit to aggression in war." How do you find that? Because we are yes. in an adversarial environment. These people here at this conference could be on the other side of the matter at any time this true. afternoon. I mean, it was, it was it was also said by a gentleman, um, a very esteemed um, barrister, who spoke about how to sort of speak in a mediation, how to be, I suppose, advocate for your client. And he spoke a lot about this, about um, that power-based advocacy or power-based negotiation doesn't work. So, so what do you think our clients think of that? Because if we're going back to this question of, you know, trust and stuff, don't our clients want us to be, uh, in the vernacular, that bulldog, that, that something that, you know, you sink your teeth into and it's got a locked jaw. I mean, this is what our clients want, isn't it? It probably is, but it probably comes down to uh, what we do as lawyers is to tell our client that that's actually not what that's not what they want. What they want is an outcome, and that's not a way in order to achieve. Well, that. this is the problem, isn't it? Because the more I don't know what the uh, the barrister you're watching, because uh, Chris and I have been in different streams, so we're we're watching slightly different things or sitting at slightly different parts of the conference. And uh, I didn't see this one. But I can imagine that it's it's it goes deeper than just being overly aggressive. It's about how we treat each other. Like like literally, if you are that guy or that girl and then you just sit next to somebody at a conference like this, then it's not gonna take long for everyone to realise that you're that guy. You're that guy. And well someone spoke about it and I can't remember which presenter, but he, he said um, he was in a position in the past where he could um, choose which lawyers in order to, to contract with and who they wouldn't give work to. And uh, he said the first thing they used to do was go onto their sort of our people page of every firm. And I mean, every firm's got it. Yes, and we have it. We do it, we're yeah. both on there. Um, yeah. every Schro time. Schrodinger and Chewy are morale officers. Yes, very, very valued employees. <laughs> And but he will, as soon as he sees that, that guy, guy, it's off. Yeah, he actually yeah. said he, he didn't care how good an outcome this guy achieves by principle yeah. because he says it's not representative of what he expects out of lawyers. I, I agree. Um, I'd like to think that MJT has an excellent reputation in the market mm. for not being that guy for being collegiate, but getting also, and I think if you jump onto our reviews, you'll see that we get great outcomes we do. for and our clients. It's not because we are you know, incredibly evil to the other side in some, some mystical way or some aggressive way. It's because the outcomes that my client wants, you, the only way you can get them is, is with finesse. It's, it's, it's we, our jobs as solicitors, I think, is to be the karmic voice in the room, yeah, not, not to fuel the flames. And you talk about this a lot, about entrenching views, you know, yeah. if, if you are, um, 
if we take it out of an employment environment and put it into a family environment, if you're only going to be bloody minded, the other side are just going to match that, surely. Because they've got no choice. There's, there's nowhere to go. There's actually got no Otherwise you give in. There's this zero-sum game that happens. You, yeah, you either win or you lose. Yeah. It's not about kind of coming to a... Yeah. And, and especially in circumstances where, as we know, almost, almost all matters settle. Um, yes. So if you want to settle on a good outcome, you also, the other side has to agree. Yeah. And if you've just, for lack of a better word, pissed them off yeah. the whole time, what are they going to think? Yeah. You know, and you've also got this problem where it's, it's not just entrenching views between client to client. If you isolate the solicitor and behave incredibly badly towards the solicitor, the solicitor's not going to look for ways to negotiate a better outcome for their client because there's no way to, like you said, nowhere to turn. If you can't talk to the other solicitor, how do you get your client's point across in a way that makes sense? You won't. It's as close because you can't tell me that everybody who ends up in litigation wants to be there. They do it because they feel they've got no choice. And that's not, certainly, I'm not saying that's a favorite solicitor every time, but I can't help but think that those overly aggressive solicitors drive these matters to litigation instead of driving them to a better solution, it's a cheaper outcome and a safer and, and more comfortable outcome for the client. Well, um, certainly the gentleman that presented today spoke about that in today's world, litigation is now the exception. Yes. Is, point. It, it's it's no longer that well let, let's go to China and oh if we happen to settle we settle it's let's look to settle and if we can't settle we'll we've got nowhere else to go we'll go to, yeah. we'll go to trial yeah. um, but that is very much the, the exception to the rule yeah. um, and does that go towards the trust level as well so, so when we talk about aggression and law we're not just talking about um, We're not just talking about, um, you know, client, a solicitor, solicitor. What about law school? You were closer to law school than I was. It was it was an aggressive environment, law school, when I was there. I it assume it was is. still so. Um, it still is. Um, those people are going to be your, you know, those people who are at law school with might have information that you need at some point. And you, if you want to call them, you just isolate. I don't... How does it work these days? Because you're closer to this than I am. I had a lot of reservations about some of the attitudes and behaviour of those uh, students around me. Yeah. And I'm obviously not going to name names no. because some of them are now lawyers. But, um, well, certainly would be. They would study law, I assume. Well, we know the drinks are right. But, <laughs> um, it was ironic considering the behaviour they were kind of putting out. Um, yeah. But the, uh, the behaviours were, for example, um, belittling. Berating, um, speaking above others in a way that is very, you know, I'm better than you. Life, like um, it, it's it was kind of arrogance. To arrogance to, to which the is team. amazing because you guys, at, as law students, actually know nothing. About that. You don't know that. No <laughs> there's not a lot room, of. Not a lot no one in the room knows that, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So there's no kind of yeah. pushing them down. Yeah. Um, and they just. It got to a stage a situation where I didn't really engage in, in, with other students. I just didn't find any enjoyment from it. Um, 
Yeah, I was, I mean, I was speaking about kind of the attitude of some law students mm. and this idea of being it's aggressive. It's got to start somewhere, right? It starts at law school. Right. Um, and, and maybe it's a situation where people, as they get through their the studies and PLT and then early career or further in, they calm down a bit because they're getting pushed out. Uh, you know, you kind of realise that you're not the bee's knees. Um, but certainly those type of characters everywhere in law school. Um, people who um, will blatantly tell you what their GPA is um, and, and God forbid you, you're, if you have a lower GPA than you are lesser human beings to them. Right. Um, irrespective of the many factors we know yeah. Yeah. which lead to one's GPA. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're not stupid because they got into law school. Not to them though. Let's not just start with that point. Um, and actually, when, when, when we first started and in law school, there was one of the lecturers particularly spoke about the idea of, um, I believe it's the imposter syndrome, I mean, I just can't get it wrong, but basically the idea that you're in a room full of law students. Everyone is equally smart. We all got here, but for some unknown reason you are lesser you, you are less qualified to be in that room and to have a voice um, and it's crippling it's actually and they say just about everyone in law will feel this at some stage but it's actually really crippling and these are the type of people though that perpetuate it they, they instead of instead of drawing up and, and assisting and, and getting someone's confidence to a, you know, they, they're, they're taking advantage of that in some way. But what's the advantage for this? Cause, it's, cause, it's, cause I, it's just an ego boost. Because I, I look at, because from, you know, where I sit, I, it's solicitors behaving badly, you know, overly aggressive, challenging, you know, you or even, um, making you feel like that your knowledge of the law is less than theirs. And one, it is very difficult to be able to tell that. Yeah? What do you mean? Well, it's, well it's, it's, it's hard just by a phone call to be able to tell whether someone knows the law or doesn't know the law. So it's very difficult to be able to tell that anyway. But I just, what's the point? I mean, what's the outcome for the client? Now, you've got to go back to your, your duties, surely. It, how does it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't help the um, the profession and, and your duty to the court and misleading the court it doesn't help your your primary duty to the to the client it doesn't help your duty to the profession so I just, what, what is it trying to do? What is it trying to it's do? It's absolutely coming from a, a self esteem and self confidence kind of area like I mean we know um, the really experienced silks barristers that you see who are it's almost top of our profession. Mm. They are the most down-to-earth, very kind of plain. You'll never see them challenge another person about their about a legal point, mm. you know, kind of a rating way, because um, they don't need to. No. And it's because they have so much confidence in themselves mm. um, and then their knowledge that they just don't actually need to, because All they right. just don't need to. Um, but uh, I can remember a situation. In, in law school, there was a tutor, and there was one student who was renowned for being a um, this type of person, kind yeah. of puts people down and what have you. Yeah. And he was the same sort of person who uh, 
constantly putting his hand up, not because he wants to contribute to the thing, it's just to show everyone else that he knows these particular points. And I mean, <laughs> by the way, he doesn't tell you the points he doesn't know. These are the people who think they're the smartest person in the room. That is such a, and we've talked about that, thinking you're the smartest person in the room, inevitably, that's yep. going to be a downfall. And one of the most satisfying things I've seen was at this tutorial who, as we know, the tutor, he was a solicitor of some degree and sort of mid-thirties, so let's just assume he's got at least six or seven years, obviously probably closer to ten, uh, challenges him. Because he's not done, he's not, this, this tutor has seen this for the last yeah. ten weeks uh, and challenges him and absolutely embarrasses the hell out of this kid. <laughs> um, because this kid doesn't know anything. Yeah. He actually doesn't. And and as I said, he doesn't tell you about the times he he doesn't know answers. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. And maybe more of that needs to happen. I don't know what happened to, to that guy, how he took that. Um, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Sort of essentially, it's, uh, it's public humiliation for, hopefully, you know, for a goal. Because again, it, was that the right thing to do? You know, yeah. I don't know where the, where the end is here, but... Yeah. I, I'd like to think that either they, those type of people who unfortunately were not, it wasn't one in every class. Yeah. It, it was yeah. you know, half the class mm. might be like this. Right, right. Uh, this isn't, it was very, very bad. Yeah. So we're talking about law students who start off with a air of arrogance, feeling they're the most smartest person in the room, that sort of challenge. Yeah. Um, you know that sort of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. to to becoming junior solicitors where it's not necessarily I don't know taught out of them to, to just take a chill pill maybe mm -hmm. just ease it down dude just relax. You, you've got you've yeah. got some time to learn all this let's mm. just let's just call a spade a spade and say that you need to learn this stuff and and chill it out a bit to to you know a decade down the road where they haven't done those things they're now senior solicitors partners special counsel and they have essentially free reign to behave in this way because no one is now there isn't anybody to say cut it out no no and you and you won't i mean unless so you're not going to get unless you get a barrister telling them on the side because because they've got this. But geez, but the barrister's probably yeah, unlikely yeah, to yeah. do work from. Um, yeah, he might need work from. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. There probably does come a point where someone's almost too far gone. Yeah. Where they're now too senior to be. That, that, and what happened to that, that, that tutor and that kid? There's no longer that ability. No. Yeah. And, Unfortunately, they become the rogues. There is, there is a scene. We were talking about Harry Potter I think, last time. Oh, we, no, actually, no, we played a Harry Potter game recently, didn't we? Oh yeah. For, the, for those of you who don't know, every Wednesday, well, we used to do origami. Now yeah, we play. We've, we've I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast. But yeah, we've we've totally changed our yeah. Wednesday activity. We we, we now play board games, activity. and one of the board games we played recently was a Harry Potter uh, triple suit game. Yep. Anyway, so I remember in Harry Potter there is a scene where Dumbledore, and this is you know, all TV books, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, where Dumbledore tells Voldemort or Tom Riddle, you know, gone is the time I can 
I can um, scare you into doing the right thing by you know setting fire to your wardrobe and that sort of goes back to a scene that we learned a little while ago. And maybe that's true. Gone is the time when you get to that point. Gone is the time where you, um, where you're, you're there's someone to overlook, and you're now open to to be moulded again. But how does this help the profession? Let's take it back to let's take it back to the basics. No benefit to no benefit to aggression in law. So how does it benefit the, the professionals? Or the, the... Well, I guess I guess the bottom line is. That doesn't, we're saying that doesn't help our clients, right? Because it's, it's not helping the collegiate behaviours that we need in order to get those great outcomes. It's not helping the profession. It's not teaching people like yourself or people who are in just, you know, people like Amelia, who's working as a PLT student in our office at the moment. It doesn't help people like her see what the right thing is. And, and therefore, you know, people like Amelia, people like you, people like me, it all just flows into something quite, quite unfortunate. But you, you do see, which I think is a really good thing, that senior lawyers who do have impressionable um, staff, whether it be PLTs, juniors, or, or undergrads, um, with them, you see them do some of those other really, really good ones where they have to have a particular difficult type of conversation with another lawyer. Quite often you'll find that these that is done properly yeah. is kept away from the impressionable kind of employees because they They know inherently it's wrong. They know it's inherently wrong. Um, but you know, they have to be mindful of the fact that there are their duty to the to the profession and to that the fact that there are impressionable people near them. And they're going to come up with they're learn, they're sponges, they're, if they see it work, chances are they're going to do the same. Um, this is true. It's been a very heavy topic today. It actually has. It's it been a very has. heavy topic. I was, um, I want to change the topic slightly. There you go. And I want to talk about these board games that we use, that we've been playing. Yes. So, for those, those of you who know, we every Wednesday we stop and we do something a bit fun. Something a bit fun, something that brings us together, it kind of breaks up the week a little bit, something... Yeah, something that brings us together that we that we get to do that's that's just a bit not law. Not that, that's, not law. We can don't have to take each other seriously, we, we're not doing anything and... Uh, actually, it actually helps with the ego because you realise you're actually... Oh my god! We're totally, I'm going to totally lose this game or yeah. my, my prowess in origami is not as good as I hoped it was going to be. You know? And we just have a laugh with each other, right? So we played, we played Uno on Wednesday. Oh, yes. And, and the Uno game that we played, I bought a bunch of my games in and one of them was Uno. And Uno hadn't been opened, which means that I've never played before. Which is going to be a shock to most people. It was certainly <laughs> a shock to me that Melanie has never ever played. I've never played Uno. I've played a lot of other games. I mean, this might be you know, not true, but it might be one of the most played card games in the world. <laughs> you might be right, I don't know, I didn't, but, but what I didn't realise is how divisive Uno is. So, they, this is a thing. The, the <laughs> so, so what happened people is we started off reading the rules and going, okay, so what are the rules? But then there was stuff that you guys brought into it that went strictly in the rules, because, well, because the rules but they weren't out of the rules. Well, because the rules don't speak about it. The rules were silent on the stuff that we, like, like, 
what was it called? Stacking? Also, here's my version of the... Well, I'm going to say my version, but I actually mean um, the correct version. Oh, yes, the, 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 the right version. Yeah, the right way of playing the game. Um, it is that you can stack plus twos and plus fours on each other. So yeah. The net result being that someone could potentially... Get rid of four or five cards in one go? Yeah, like, no, so, like, you're going around and I've got a plus two, I put it down. Instead of you oh. picking up two... two oh, I can put a plus, a plus two, two down. And so forth. Oh, I like that. Is that someone could potentially be picking up... Fifteen cards, yeah, sixteen something, cards. Something yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, I think that's allowed, but I also think you're not allowed to finish on what I call a special card. Yeah, they, they call them Anything. power cards. Was it power cards? There was also action cards. Action I cards? I don't know. My point is that you're not allowed to finish on anything but a number. Yeah, so these cards, guys, were those who don't play Uno, like myself. They were things like pick up two cards, wild cards, skip a person yeah, card. So, so cards that gave you a power to do something. Yeah. yeah. Not allowed to finish them because actually makes the game too easy because there's no incentive for you to use your special cards that's right because it's easier to finish on especially if you end on a plus four wild card it actually doesn't matter what anyone you've won yeah you might as well just say it yeah i've got a plus four card doesn't matter what you guys do i've won yeah um so but then i mean we had amelia who who won i think won the first round but because she had a completely different set of rules. She did have a completely... I'm just amazed by all these different iterations. I like this concept that Phoebe had, where she had two twos and she put both of them down okay. at the same time. I actually thought that was going to be okay. But we were like, no, you can't do that. So, so It's purely, by the way, based off in, like internal yeah, there is. kind of... There's no reason why anyone said the rules is better than another. Well, I agree. I absolutely agree. But it's just, I found it fascinating because every, like, there's me, there was Phoebe, there was Amelia and yourself. And you guys all had different rules yep. for this game. And it brought me to think about Monopoly. <laughs> Monopoly has all these mad rules, like, like, we, like, we had, like, I played Monopoly before, I'm not, yep. you know, crazy. <laughs> and... You know, when they when you have to give a fine, for instance, we had that put into the middle, and when you landed on the free parking, yeah, the you would you would receive all the monies, mm -hmm. and that's not a rule. And in fact, I think if you Hang read on. the Monopoly game, it specifically says that you can't do that. Hang on, <laughs> so, this is all very big news to me. Hang yes, on, it's not part of the rules. A free parking is simply a free parking spot. Nothing happens to you. So what happens to the money in the middle? There isn't any. It goes to the bank. <laughs> it's a fine. Consider it the consolidated revenue fund. Well, that's not very fun, is it? Well, I'm just saying. Mr. Monopoly needs to rethink his rules. I'm just saying. But, but the interesting thing about it is, okay, if it's in the rules, then it's probably written like that, but people, like, universally do that. They, they, they do. They've taught How do each they other, get from like, word, country to country? Word in the mouth, like <laughs> word of mouth is just, this is the rule. You go on that and... You get all your money. And I reckon it's because we love gambling. I mean, there's a certain gambling kind of aspect it, to it, that. And it's um, only one spot, too. It's one spot, and it might mean you kind of burst out of what would otherwise be a slow and decrepit way of... Dying, losing. yeah, slow, but, slow, um, slow, slow, dead. I also know some of my family watched this podcast, and they would attest to the fact that there wasn't many finished games of <laughs> there was no winner despite the fact that Australia and Brisbane is on its own uh, tectonic plate mm. there was a lot of 
earthquakes awful, awful lot of a lot, lot of for some reason the, the table used to shake and all the pieces used to go around so uh, and that I'll, I'll, I'll admit that some of them but it made me think about how many other games have odd rules like there must be a bunch of them for Scrabble right you know can like I was thinking about because because the next game I'm thinking about choosing is Boggle I don't know if you've ever heard of Boggle. Boggle is where you have this, this sort of box with the nine holes in it where nine, um, nine die sit in. So you, you pick up the whole box with the nine die and you shake it and then you lift the lid of the box and all the die are sitting in their little spots with all the, nut, all the letters in it. Oh, and you have to make them. You have to make, a, you have to make words, out, words, yeah, you have to make words, words out of the letters. So I was, think, I was thinking about this and Phoebe's from Malaysia, you're Portuguese, mm. I'm from New Zealand, and I'm not sure Amelia, but she, she made some reference to understanding French. And I'm just wondering, what foreign words yeah. could we use that we would all universally accept? And I'm wondering how, you know, when we're thinking about these, um, you know, this, this uno making up your own rules thing, this, this weird rule about the bank and free parking and Scrabble. Um, and completely in uh, yeah. um, Monopoly. How many Scrabble arguments there would be? Because the word exists, but only in Gaelic, for instance. Or, well, I, I, just, I just wonder. Well, I can tell you that. Oh, hello. Everyone, this is Benjamin. Benjamin is from a company called Lorganise. I love this name. I think it's the. I actually think the name is brilliant. How'd you come up with the name, Ben? Mm. Well, I was at a conference in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, it was run by Tony Robbins. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's called Unleash the Power Within. Big Hands, Tony yes, Robbins. That's yes. from uh, another TV show. That's it. And uh, I'd been thinking about this business for a while and what I could do with it. And I was just in the stands there at the Acer Arena in Sydney, and I went. Right. It's funny, so many clients and colleagues have asked me how I came up with the name yeah. and they all think I paid this multi-million dollar agency and Whoa. it's my little relatively you know, rudimentary brain just, that came up with it one the, day. Yeah. Must be one of those clear thinking moments, so hope you don't mind me barging in. No, please, please, no, please, no, please. So, so Ben, so we are uh, I know, participants of this conference today. Yep. Ben is actually one of the stall holders. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about your business just quickly. Yeah. So Lorganised is essentially a management consulting practice mm -hmm. that provides practice management consulting uh, operations, uh, consulting to legal practices, primarily to the small to medium-sized firms. Yeah. Uh, our focus, our vision is to change the lives of law firm principals, and that can be anything from some principals ask me to get them out of debt. Yeah. Some, yep. some principals want me to recover Certainly. millions of dollars worth of bad debtors, or in some practices, I actually act as the virtual CEO or virtual mm, GM. Okay. And in that role, I effectively operate the practice on behalf of the principal. Right. From afar, but I attend quite regularly on site. I chair meetings, I provide reporting. I work with staff, I hold the staff accountable to their fees and budgets <laughs> and those sort of things. Oh, the fun meetings. So, yeah. so, so you're not a lawyer? I'm not a lawyer, not but a lawyer. I, I was once a principal of a practice, but okay. I was a, a, a non-practicing non equity director of a law so firm. So we were talking about no benefit to aggression in law. Absolutely. And you've, got, you've probably got some views on this, seeing lawyers, seeing, yes. and I'm guessing you've got something to do with sort of, because you were talking about PLTs when we spoke. Yeah, so I've... Um, 
I've been doing uh, a few lectures for the PLT students at QUT. And among many things in preparing themselves for their career as practicing solicitors, my message in that very context of the aggression piece is to say, look at the people around you in this room, your PLT cohort, your colleagues. I mean, they are your friends. They are your colleagues for life in your professional career. They're not a person you deem to be your enemy. They're not a person that deserves anything other than your kindness and respect. And they're not a person that deserves you to write antagonistic letters on the other side of a matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I believe yeah, that <laughs> there is a fine balance between representing the, the best interests of your client. Robust, and, what is it called? Robustly. robustly and, and, and with respect, Melanie, <laughs> I always say to clients, Try and minimise the amount of times you use the phrase "with respect" with to respect. start your letter. Because yeah, um, it really means with absolutely no respect at all. But what correct. was going Because everything no. after it's no, no, no I, respect. I was, I was being totally um, rhetorical I, there. I, I, ironically. Uh, so uh, you know, my message really is that they need to be uh, altruistic. They need to be kind in their approach, representing the best interests of their clients. But it doesn't mean take down another solicitor. Yeah. Um, and, and this yeah. is because it actually helps the profession when we do this. It helps our absolutely. clients' outcomes when we do this. Absolutely. We, we talked a little bit about this earlier on, and we are solicitors, so it's very difficult to see it from the outsider's perspective. But I would say that at some point you, you weren't involved in law firms. Uh, tell me a little about, because we talked a little bit earlier about these figures as well. Yeah. Was there a time when you didn't know lawyers? Well, look, uh, my background is quite unusual. I started as a, an army officer, okay. uh, which is where the uh, hairstyle comes from. Uh, it was 25 kilos ago. That's it. Uh, and then I went into, I had a business degree completed during my time in the army. My major was actually in human resource development. Okay. So it has the org psych side uh, of it. That's Building teams, uh, leadership training, yeah. those sort of things. I went into an HR role with a large accounting firm yeah. and that position evolved into a GM mm. operational position. So what was your view on lawyers and did you find, were you, were you untrust, like a public, negative two to 11, it's, it's very untrusting. Did you, did you have the same views on oh, lawyers look, at that time? I, I wouldn't say I had the same view okay. personally. Um, uh, working in the big four accounting world, we had a lot of uh, colleagues in the legal uh, industry right, okay. and lots of good relationships would obviously yeah. have some reciprocity with client referrals and yeah, those sort sure of things. Enough. But sure um, I must admit at that point in my life, I, I didn't have, uh, fortunately I guess, many needs to engage solicitors, yeah. uh, other than obviously property transactions and conveyancing, but obviously since my career's gotten on and I've mm. started businesses and worked in senior positions, I have had the time to engage a, a lawyer now and then, mm, mm. Uh, both in both a personal and a mm. professional capacity, and uh, I, I've always been. So you definitely hold this view from a from a use of a lawyer perspective that being because we talked about you know people wanting to have a bulldog solicitor and yeah. Yeah. like this, but actually you've you've seen a lot of different angles on this one. I have yes, and even both. Uh, prior to doing the, the law organised business uh, and operating with some clients and, and uh, yeah, there, look, there are some bulldogs out there, but equally some clients want their bulldog solicitor. But are um, the outcomes better from your perspective? Because you've been around, you can't, you must, uh, have, you must have stepped your foot into a number of law firms. I have. I, look, I don't believe, it depends on the, on the context, I don't believe sure. that the outcome is better for the profession. Right. That bulldogs operate right. in the way okay. they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, for a particular client who might get a fantastic result, 
um, it, it's like the distribution of wealth. You know, there isn't more money created. Generally, wealth transfers from one side to yeah, the other. Okay. In a litigation matter, generally one party loses, one party yeah, wins. Okay. Mm. Um, but I, I do find that those solicitors, and we had a conversation about this earlier, about the way that a solicitor will communicate with the other side. Uh, I do coach some up-and-coming partners of, of legal practices to be far more communicative, far more collaborative. Uh, and when they receive an antagonistic letter or email, my advice to them is to pick up the phone. Because mm. you actually put that antagonistic solicitor on the back foot mm. by saying, hey, it's Chris here from MJT. Yeah. I'm just going to have a quick conversation with you about your email. Mm. It's a lot easier to do it. A lot it. easier to do Over, it. On a letter than it is to do it Yes, we can all be warriors on... Absolutely. Yeah, we're all keyboard warriors. <laughs> keyboard warriors. Keyboard warriors. And one of the, I've written an article about this. The thing about writing... Uh, any letter or any communication mm. is the recipient is in total control of how that communication is received. Mm. You can't transfer tone, sarcasm, empathy. Uh, so on a phone call, you can say, hey, Chris, uh, this is Ben. Mm. Uh, appreciate your email just now. Mm. Can I just confirm with you what your, more, your point was in relation to X, Y, and Z? Um, and I've got a very uh, a calm, clear tone. I'm not saying, hey, look, buddy, you're wrong, my client's right, you've got mm. no position here, mm. and you've got no right standing up to me because I'm, I'm a five-year solicitor, you're a one-year solicitor. Yeah. Yes, we've yeah. talked about that. Yes, we have spoken about that. Yes. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I've, I've got an opinion on that myself. Yeah, so I think that that uh, more collaborative, more, mm. as I said, open communication approach, yeah. I, and I do find that uh, some of those activities that are occurring in a very antagonistic end of mm. town tend to hide a few vulnerabilities. Mm. That's, and that's what we were speaking about earlier today, is mostly coming from a self-esteem mm. kind it of is. area. Because you know, your most senior lawyers, they're not like that. No. You know, they're, they're so comfortable with their own knowledge that they're quite openly pleasant. Yes, yes absolutely. this is true. Okay, so, ah, I just, I'm interested, because we were just talking, weren't we, about this kind of age gap and, and learning, but I think from, from a, from a business owner perspective and a, a law practice business owner perspective, it's super important for me to teach how to advocate with respect. Absolutely. Because otherwise, if, if I don't teach it, the person, I don't believe that the junior solicitor will understand it. Yes, and I'm also a great believer in, you know, do as I do and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to yeah, be... you're not a really do as I... Yeah, do as I say, say because I'm going to do something completely yeah, different, yeah. you know, and, and I, I, I want to, I want people to see that there is another way to operate in mm. law without having to do that. And I think it's becoming, I, when I was learning, yes, there was lots of aggression, but there was more collegiate. I think, the, I think we've lost the ability to be collegiate. I think it's gone away. I think it's, I think it's going harder now to see the wood for the trees in that space. Mm. I'm not sure why. Um, and you, you, you lecture to PLT students. So those of you who don't know out there, when a person chooses to go to law school, they go to law school. That could be four years or five and a half, depending on the choices they make. And then there's this additional postgrad that you guys, that, that all lawyers have to do here in Australia, which is called the PLT's practical legal training. Mm. And it's a it's a postgrad diploma and it lasts between six months and one year, depending on whether you do it part-time or full-time. But without doing those two, the degree first and then this diploma, you cannot go and then become a solicitor. Correct. 
So you're actually training the people at the very end of this process. Yeah, and, and I believe that some of that behaviour we'll be talking about is, is a little bit generational. Mm. And I, I do think that the change will probably be similar in a generational shift towards mm. that far more collegiate approach. Mm. And I, I can't speak uh, from the level of experience you bring, Melanie, where you've got uh, so, so many more years and you've probably seen a transition of, of the, the profession over a, a period of time. But I, I do agree with you. I think that there is a uh, desire of the minority mm. to not only manage the best outcomes for their clients, but in doing that, they try to do it in such a way that causes, let's just say, pain to the other yeah. solicitor. Yeah, I think the workplaces are becoming better places for solicitors, but I'm but not necessarily certain the work environment is becoming better. better. You would have a kind of unique ability in your sort of role where if you're teaching PLT students, you're seeing what young people are like, but then you're also seeing older practitioners. Yes, That's right. You're, you're that CEO yeah. guy. You're, yes. you're the guy in there helping the, the, the practice. Yeah, and we were speaking earlier about how law school and to some degree PLT as well is, I think it's far more prevalent, this type of bulldog behaviour. Mm. Um, do you see that kind of, what happens to these PLT students? Do they sort of calm down a little bit or do they do they grow into the bulldogs that we, we know? Look, uh, A, that's an exceptional question. Um, my response would be, I, th I think they would be developed into, and it's the old adage of nature versus nurture. Mm. I think they're made, they're not born that way. And what I think is, is what I'm seeing at the moment, dare I say the more senior practitioners, are yeah. uh, imparting the mentoring they received mm. onto their junior staff. Okay. Which is a style of leadership which I'd say today's contemporary professional doesn't doesn't align with yeah align yeah with I, okay I see what you're going yeah. with that. and yeah. equally if that is happening to such an extent that someone believes in order to succeed they need to act in a particular way mm. um, so I think Chris again good question but they're made that way yeah. they're they're mentored so, so the me's in the world need to do better well look I think we've all got a collective responsibility to uh, you know, I have a strong advocacy for servant leadership. Mm -hmm. my, my approach to uh, leading people is to serve their needs, mm -hmm. and that means to develop their skills, mm -hmm. to assist them with their mentoring and understand their needs in all of those areas. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe that a leader deserves to be served, mm -hmm. and I think that there is a perception out there that a particular level of any business in many respects, and particularly some of the professions in accounting, legal, engineering, medical or whatever, that those senior professionals in those industries tend to think, bluntly, they are gods. Yeah. Mm. I've got to this position, therefore I deserve this extra coolness or something. Yeah. I get it. Like, uh, there's not many jobs in the office that I that I wouldn't do, or I ha certainly mm. haven't done. I've done everything. But, you know, I pick up the stuff at the pa in, in the photocopier machine. I make cups of coffee. There's nothing worse than those people that are, oh, that's not my job. Yeah. yeah. And I, I often say to people, never tell me what your job isn't. I want to know what your job is. Yeah. And so you go back to your point there, Melanie. My comment there is no one's too good for anything. No, and absolutely not. I've seen the practitioners out there who will have a client meeting. They'll have coffees and cakes and teas. They'll walk out of the room and admin, <laughs> admin, <laughs> clean do up this, that room. That. Yeah, yeah, okay. And... Uh, and look, for me, I say pick up a broom and sweep. 
you know, it doesn't matter who you are, pick up a broom and sweep. You know, it's not particularly difficult. No, <laughs> so. no. And, you know, see a gap. If you're the one that can fill it, then get on with it. If you've Correct. got something else to do, then, Correct. you know. But you mentioned before about, you know, the melodies of this world need to do better. Mm. But it's, it's actually everyone. Yeah. I mean, everyone, because you could be um, mentoring someone and you're doing a fantastic job. I mean, you tell them all the right things, you're showing them the right things. They have a matter and they go to court. They come across me, for, you know, just me as an example. Although I'm not this type of person, but they come across another lawyer. And you're that guy. And I'm that guy. And it, and it works. It works on this particular Oh, yes, matter. I see. I see. Um, and you, so all of a sudden you are the, are the new mentor. I am the mentor in that situation. Yeah, okay. Um, even though it's for the better, not for it's for the worse or for the profession. Yeah. Um, that's why I said it's, it's up to the entire kind of everyone because this it's is not true. right for me to do that. Because we, we still need to get good outcomes for our clients. Mm. I am honestly believe that we can do that in a way that's collegiate. Absolutely. Okay. So I've got a different question for you. We cool. just as you came in, we were talking about Uno. Yeah. The game. <laughs> yeah, Uno the game. Have you played right. Uno before? I play Uno, and I even have a trophy in my family called ah. Uno Champion. Okay. So so we. On Wednesdays, we all play, a, the, the office plays a board game. And uh, Uno was brand new to me. I'd never played it before. Yeah, which is shocking. Right? Which, is, which is shocking, apparently. And uh, Phoebe, Amelia, and Chris all had different rules for Uno. Right. So are you a, what are they called, stacker? Is that what it's well, called? As far as you know, what's, what's the rules you play? Let's <laughs> okay, so, an open question yeah. here. Um, have you got some unusual Okay, so rules? I think the stacker rule is if you haven't got a card to play, you pick up off the deck. Yeah. Are you saying a stacker is you continue to draw off the deck until you can play a card? Oh, we haven't even touched Ooh, on that. No, no, no. Stacking okay. for me is when I have like three twos and I put them all down at the same time. Uh, no, I don't play that style. Ooh. It's one card per round. Okay, yeah. so what about your stacking? Which so, is... so I've got a plus two, I drop a plus two, Melanie drops a plus two. You, you have to No, I play that rule. So you then do? the next person is, is draw four. Yep. Yep. Yes. Okay. And so forth. And what about finishing? Uh, so finishing is one card that is legal at the time. So what's a legal card to so use? This was a big question. A legal card being same number, same colour, or a special card. Oh, okay. Because you. I, I I play that. Um, you're not allowed to finish on a special card. Uh, because okay, right. it, I I sort of think that it's just too easy. It's so my daughter, my youngest daughter, who is a you know champion, the family champion, <laughs> yeah. she has an uncanny ability with. She should do our lottery tickets, frankly, mm. to have two draw fours in her hand at the last couple of rounds and she always finishes okay. with a draw four. Right. And then she wins the game. And it's perfectly acceptable. But my family What is... about a wild card? Can you end on a wild card? Uh, any card that's legal. So what's a non-legal card? So I mean if you've got a, a red card uh, oh, that's card in front of you, you can't just, you and you can't know you've just... got a green and a, and a different number, you can't play that. Ah, uh, I see. That's, that's Sorry, a non-legal I think I just, card. Yeah, I think I asked that question twice but now. My family is brutal on the calling of you know with one card left. So you have to, boom, boom, Uno straight If away. you put your card down and I put my card down, and if you don't say you know by the time I drop my card, you draw four. Right. Do you have that rule? Yeah, no, yeah. I play that rule. I don't um, know if that rule's in the game, though. I'm not sure any of these rules are in any of the... <laughs> it's like pool. Every pub's got its own rules. That is, that you know, is, foul on the black. You know, some pubs there's no foul on black. Some pubs are... True. If you foul on black, you lose. So we were talking about Monopoly. Okay. And uh, there's, there's this universal rule that actually is expressly prohibited in <laughs> rules. In the actual rules. In the actual rules, which is putting money in the middle yep. that you collect on free parking. Correct. Yes. That we I, play that I, role. You play that role? Yeah. 
I didn't know it was specifically. That, that's exactly what I said. I was shocked. I wow. thought no one questions it. No. I've never heard anyone object to that. See, I, and I, ne- I never get it either. <laughs> your luck is I not say, there. I, I'm, no, I your never daughter get is the champion. My daughter gets it all the time. She's always and like if if someone's got a hotel on Mayfair, I'm the poor, I'm the poor customer. <laughs> I'm paying three quarters of my money to pay rent to my 13-year-old daughter who just happens to pull Mayfair out of her. And there's no payment plan. No payment plan. I'm mortgaging properties or I'm out of the game. I'm actually a really big fan of the train stations. Yeah, actually my son's a train station purchaser. And I like the waterworks ones too. So The utilities. Yeah, the utilities. I have a view that it doesn't pay off. I'm with you, Chris. I'm a, no. I'm property, I'm a property magnate, no. but I only get Old Kent Road. And <laughs> I once saw on Facebook that apparently someone, a statistician, has done Monopoly. Right. And your your pink and orange, which are if you're, if you're at the start, not the first row. Pal Mal, those it's ones. Between, uh, between yeah. going to jail Pal and Mal, yeah. Um, yeah, they are the best ones. Yeah, yeah Bow Street's green, isn't it? The yeah. ratio between the, the earnings, that, uh, how much you pay to and earnings. how much your earnings, because the likelihood of landing on those is actually, because they're not all the same, not all the sides are the same. But it's a die. No, but not all the sides are the same, so your probability of landing. That's right. I thought they were exactly the same numbers on each of the sides. No, and the, the yield out of those properties is greater. It's probably the different ratios of, of uh, rent and, you know, rentals for mm. properties on them and the like. Um, we are a big board gaming family. My, my wife is actually almost a semi-professional board gamer. Really? And actually runs a board gaming group. Where is Lorganised situated? Uh, Lorganised has our main office in Eagle Street in Brisbane. Right. We well, should come up one day when we're oh, playing our Wednesday game. We've got a fellow board game with Okay. No, my wife owns probably 130 board games. Well, wow, perhaps you should bring your own one day. Uh, I know wow. about four of them. <laughs> but uh, it has to be a game that's capable of being played within an hour. Correct. And yes. uh, I agree. And so that's that's the rule at work base. Well, it's an unsaid rule that yes, we need we can't to play, we can't play risk for you know, yeah, two four, days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our billables would be terrible. <laughs> Uh, it probably doesn't align to some organised strategies for legal practices, <laughs> other than the morale piece. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're welcome to come and play a board game. I'd be delighted to play a board game. I think we'd love to have you. I yeah. should. Uh, my, my wife might be able to come along and be the uh, referee and uh, well, teach she is people. welcome to play as well. We found Indeed. out Maybe that that's I'm. That's all a... we need. We need a referee. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a strong advocate of having table tennis and arcade <laughs> games inside the law firms. Something um, a little bit different. Something it goes back to that piece before. We, about we have those little video games that we never get around to playing. Remember how bad we were at Donkey Kong? Yeah, I didn't realise just how hard Donkey Kong is. Yeah. But do you find, do you find value in, in those yeah. sort of setups in law firms? Uh, look, I, I do. I think uh, at the risk of getting into the... Uh, you know that level of Google and every everywhere you go there's a bean bag and the slides and stuff. Yeah. Although I think flight tenants got a slide in South Brisbane now but um, uh, look I think that those areas that you can um, go into a quiet room or an or a ante room, call it what you will, pick up a table tennis bat over lunch and have a little hit with your colleagues mm. or play an arcade game I mean a former firm I used to work for, we had arcade, we had pool, we had table mm. tennis we had a Friday drink uh, drinks session between yep. four and five every Friday that was semi compulsory. Yeah. Uh, not to be not to be forced socialising, but it it's was a break. It's it was just encouraged to really just 
drop mm. drop down the tools and and work mm. uh, put the work aside and have a have a sort of an afternoon drink okay so look i think there's some value in some of those social activities mm. in the office well ben you're welcome to play board games on a wednesday afternoon with us oh, i think you've got our phone number you can certainly Appreciate the invitation. Next day, next time you've got a free Wednesday afternoon, just contact our team. We'll let you know what time we're playing. Indeed, That's love brilliant. to. Well, Ben, thank you very much for yes, sitting in with us today. Much. I appreciate you letting me photo bomb the, no, the yeah, podcast, I and I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. I did. Love the conversation, yeah. and would love to talk more about it. I love that space. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, what we'll do for those who are interested, we'll put some more information on you on our um, thank on you. our uh, law. YouTube. This is Lawcast, but on our YouTube thing on the Lawcast. Yes, as you can see, uh, yeah, although I'm... we are the stars of the podcast, <laughs> uh, we have actually nothing to do with the editing, <laughs> the, the, the publishing, <laughs> any of that. Right. Because we're also terrible at that. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah, well, as I like to say to lawyers, let me take care of some of that stuff. Yes. You guys practice law. <laughs> we are very so good lawyers. Not we are that sort of so. Perhaps not good editors, but yes, we'll um, we'll make sure that any of our viewers who are interested in what you do. Um, we'll get some opportunity to have a look at that. That'd be very kind. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Ben, for coming in. Absolutely. I think the next session is on sexual harassment. Yes. Yeah, important session. So yeah, I will uh, let you guys go and I'll pack up for you both. Right, sexual okay. harassment, for those of you who know, is an MJT Law thing. We do yes. a lot of that here at MJT Law. Um, but it's a hot topic at the moment. Absolutely. So I'll let you both think. We'll thank, you, thank you very much for coming. Right. Thank, thank you. Brilliant.